Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. The ghosts of Christmas were always present from the day after Thanksgiving until New Year's. The same tree Nick's family had used for the past twelve years would be decorated with the ornaments he and his siblings had collected over their short lives. His mom would burn vanilla and cinnamon-scented candles and decorate the house in all the familiar ways. The heart-shaped wreath on the front door with two large sleigh bells dangling in the center the snowman leaning on a snow globe on the mantle above the gas fireplace, which was on almost every evening. Closer to Christmas Day, Nick's parents would start baking the cookies and treats from their own childhood holidays, making them a staple in the kids'. They had a tradition until this year, in which Nick and his two siblings, Usher and Kaya, always received a gift of something needed, something wanted, and something to share. Their parents would usually break the rules at some point during the season, picking up little odds and ends as they shopped for other family and friends, so the kids' stockings were always full of other goodies too. Usually, the parents would decide on something big to purchase together in lieu of presents for each other. That's how they replaced the dangerously unusable wood fireplace with the gas one they have now. This Christmas, all the ghosts were there as usual. After months of tackling his senior year of high school and preparing for adulthood, 18-year-old Nick was grateful for the warm familiarity of holiday tradition, something he could depend on no matter what mayhem was happening in the rest of his life. Everything was wonderfully normal right up until Nick walked downstairs on Christmas morning. The Christmas tree greeted him, bright and cheery. His family always left the twinkling lights on Christmas Eve to give the morning that magical feeling. There were presents under the tree, wrapped in red foil and tied with narrow white ribbons. They looked picture-perfect and paired appropriately with the invisible cinnamon-peppermint cloud filling the house. But there weren't enough. The three kids traditionally got three presents each. That should have meant nine presents under the tree, but there were only five. Nick tried not to let this upset him. Getting presents was a tiny fraction of what he considered to be the magic of Christmas, but change could have that effect on him, especially unexpected change. He didn't like it, and he wished he could change that, but it was just how his brain worked. As a kid, people thought he was a spoiled brat. It took his parents a long time to realize he could handle changes perfectly fine if they gave him a heads up. So why no heads up about this long-established tradition changing? Nick couldn't explain how he intuited this, but he instantly thought his parents felt ashamed for some reason. He started to spiral. Was money tight? Were they going to have to make other changes? 
How bad would it get? Could they lose their home, the only place he had ever lived? As Nick was looping the eye of his worry whirlpool, Usher and Kaya came down. They were twelve and ten, respectively, and they were just excited to see presents of any amount. Nick envied their simple joy. He couldn't help himself from counting the five lonesome presents, but Usher and Kaya didn't seem to notice at all. The youngers, as Nick and his parents called them, loudly speculated about what was inside the gifts. Their unrestrained voices woke their parents, who joined them shortly. Nick's dad pressed some coffee, and Nick graciously accepted a mug when he offered him one. Then the adults, including Nick, holding their steaming mugs, the warm porcelain almost burning their palms, sat down to watch the youngers open their gifts. You might as well go at the same time, their dad said. We did something special this year. Usher and Kaya exchanged antsy glances and dug in like rabid wolverines. They had already gotten into the saran-wrapped tray of cookies on the kitchen counter while their dad was making coffee. They each unwrapped a matching white box. Each box had only one word on top, printed in futuristic font. Real. Nick's mom beamed at him and said, You might as well open yours too. We got one for each of you. She abruptly recognized the crestfallen look on Nick's face and suddenly remembered how he handled change. She added, These were pretty pricey, so we decided to do just one present for each of you this year. I'm sorry we didn't warn you. Nick feigned a smile and told her it was okay as he set his half-empty coffee mug aside and reached for his gift. He picked apart the wrapping to reveal his own real headset. Real made virtual reality headsets that were slightly, very slightly, more affordable than other industry options. Nick had heard you pay for that discount, too. Reels were known to be fairly unreliable systems. Still, Nick thanked his parents and reminded them it was their turn to open presents. Although both were wrapped in the same red foil, it was easy to see which belonged to his mom and which belonged to his dad. His dad's gift looked pristine with crisp folds and sharp corners. His mom's appeared to be a single slipping piece of tape away from coming totally undone. She gave his dad a mirthful grin and tore the wrinkled, bunched-up paper away. Oh, well, look at that, she said with a wouldn't-you-believe-it chuckle. He had gifted her the latest rendition of the Pulse Light, a popular fitness wearable that could track your steps, heart rate, sweat output, sleep quality, etc. She thanked her husband and told him to open his gift. He should have guessed from the identical boxes, but laughed in surprise when he also unwrapped a Pulse Light. No kidding, he said, putting his side by side with his wife's. They had even bought the same color. Black. Five people, two products. That's what Nick's family's Christmas boiled down to. Not an ounce of creativity or thought went into the gifts. Nick couldn't complain since he didn't get anything for his parents. He tried one year and they told him to save his money for college instead. But the uninteresting presents did set a weird tone for the rest of the day. His dad turned on the TV almost immediately after they finished opening gifts. The youngers opened their headsets and started reading the instructions. Nick was there, sitting on the couch, but was also far away. Christmas really meant something to him, and he wasn't willing to just go through the motions. He wanted to connect with his family. But as he first watched Kaya don her bulky VR goggles, then Usher, and they disappeared into their own virtual worlds, 
he felt that possibility slip away. There was no school the day after Christmas, so Nick hit up his friends Kim, Jared, and Reed. Reed never replied, but Kim and Jared met him at the mall. They all bought bubble tea and claimed a small table at the back of the food court where no one else was sitting. They spent more effort than necessary to avoid people, though. The mall was practically empty that day. Nick supposed Christmas was to blame and didn't think much else of it. I'm pretty sure Reed got one of those real headsets for Christmas. That's probably why she didn't answer, Jared reported. Nick said, That's what my parents got all of us. Geez, did you get a real? Jared asked Kim. She shook her head. Those cheap things are still too rich for my blood. Dad would have to sell a kidney for one of those. Want mine? Nick asked. Why, does the virtual world not live up to this beautiful reality? Kim gestured toward a pile of moist dust which had accumulated in a nearby corner that was too narrow for the custodian's mop to reach. Nick said, I just watched my siblings automatically turn into little zombies and decided not to even open the box. Yeah, VR is kind of creepy, Jared agreed. I don't like the idea of taking the whole world and shoving it right here. He brought his hands up to his face, miming where the goggles would be. Nick noticed a now-familiar device strapped to his wrist. Hey, is that a pulse light? He asked, already knowing the answer. Examining his own wrist, Jared said, Yeah, I got it for Christmas. Am I a biohacker yet? No, but you're on your way. What do you need one of those for? Kim asked. I don't know. Ask my parents. They got it for me for some reason. Were pulses and reels all Target carried this year or something? Nick asked, feeling genuinely perturbed. Don't freak out, man. There's always one or two things that end up being disgustingly popular. Pulse and Reel probably just hired good marketing teams this year. I haven't seen any ads for them, Nick pointed out. Jared laughed. How would you? You still watch movies on DVD. The last ad you saw was probably for, like, Fast and Furious 5. At least I don't listen to all of my music on vinyl like some millennial hipster. Nick fired back playfully, but with teeth. Kim interjected. Okay, first of all, vinyl is the best. Second, we're all a little behind the times, okay? I'd say it's fair to say we aren't perfectly in sync with the latest trends. Fair, Jared and Nick both agreed. They spent much of the afternoon wandering from store to store, collecting wary glances from employees, managers, and mall security from time to time. Their only crime was being young. Nick noticed the security guard was wearing a pulse light that still had the thin plastic membrane protecting its screen. A couple of retail employees had them too. When the group returned to the food court hours later, Jared nudged Nick and pointed to a family eating Chick-fil-A near the front. The parents were both wearing pulse lights, but Nick knew what Jared was trying to show him was the kids. There were two, both slightly younger than Nick's siblings both sitting like limp dummies wearing their real headsets. Okay, that's a bit much, said Kim, also noticing the checked out kids. How much you want to bet those parents haven't seen their kids' eyeballs since yesterday morning? Jared asked. Nick would have bet a whole lot, since he couldn't remember seeing Usher or Kaya's eyes since they had unwrapped their gifts. Nick left his friends at the mall to go home for dinner. He walked in on his mom standing on a chair in the living room, peering behind the TV. When Nick shut the front door, she peeked out, holding a screwdriver in one hand and a flashlight in the other. Nick asked what was going on, and she said, 
Oh, your dad's been complaining about this glitch on the TV for a while, and I decided to finally do something about it while he's out getting his steps. Getting his steps? Nick asked, already guessing where this was going. Yeah, now that we have these pulses, we've realized how inactive we both are. We created a challenge for each other to get 10,000 steps a day. Why 10,000? Nick asked. That's the first reward tier, she explained. If you get 10,000 steps every day for two weeks, you get a $3 gift certificate for Starbucks. Can you even get a black coffee for $3 at Starbucks? Nick asked. His mom laughed. No, but it does make the cost of a caramel ribbon crunch hurt less. Nick rolled his eyes. So, you know how to fix TVs now? She said, No, but I thought I would take a peek to make sure it wasn't something obvious. Nick went over to her and gestured for the flashlight. She handed it to him, and they traded places. Nick shone the light on the back panel and confirmed everything was plugged in all the way. What's Dad having a problem with? He asked. He says it doesn't matter which streaming service he uses, or even if he watches cable, there's this weird glitch where a bunch of colors flash really fast, like how it will right before it crashes and shuts itself off sometimes, only it keeps going just fine. Nick checked the fuse, which was the only thing besides the cords he knew how to check. He thought it looked okay. He turned the TV on and made sure the software had been updated while his mom gave him a lecture about the good old days when TVs worked without any fancy software. Yeah, back when you couldn't watch anything if it was rainy outside, Nick joked. Well, bad news. It's up to date and I don't see anything wrong with the fuse, so it's probably shot. Well, I guess your dad will just have to put up with it. I shouldn't care. It's not like he tried to do anything about it. Wait, Mom, it's the day after Christmas. Stores are going to be trying to clear out all the extra holiday stock. We might actually get a really good deal on a TV in store right now, said Nick. You think so? His mom asked earnestly. No, it was a total guess, but Nick told her he was sure with the baseless confidence of a fresh 18-year-old. His mom didn't feel comfortable making a big purchase without his dad, and she asked Nick to come along for his expertise a pun which made her laugh pretty hard at herself. Since no one over the age of 12 would be home, the parents forced Usher and Kaya to remove themselves from virtual reality and come along. Better than those parents at the mall just letting their kids sit around in public, Nick thought. His siblings weren't happy, but he guessed the prospect of a new TV kept them from becoming belligerent. Nick was right, thankfully. Walmart had set discounted TVs all along the center aisle with bright yellow signs begging passersby to accept the low, low clearance price. Nick and his dad were looking over the back of one TV box when his mom broke away with a gasp. The youngers followed her into the women's clothing section. Can't wait to see what that's all about, Nick's dad said under his breath. Nick ignored him, thinking they wouldn't be there if his dad had just dealt with the supposed glitch himself. Oh, it's a miracle, his mom exclaimed. She pulled something off of an end cap and hurried back over with the youngers in tow. Nick couldn't help but notice how his siblings continued acting zombie-ish, even without their headsets. I have been dying for one of these sets, his mom said, holding up a radioactive green running top with matching shorts. This is the best running set on the market. I can't believe they actually have one in my size. They've been selling out everywhere. I didn't know you wanted one or I would have gotten it for Christmas, her husband said, awkwardly squeezing her shoulders. You know, if you had asked me what I wanted, I'm not sure I would have even thought of this, his wife said. Are you going to start running? 
Nick asked, trying not to sound too skeptical. Oh, definitely, his mom replied. Pulse is offering a free six-month pro membership to new users who run 20 miles or more in their first month after activation. Oh, really? Her husband asked, looking down at his pulse with wonder. What's that get you? Oh, just a free monthly workout plan, product discounts, partner deals, that sort of thing. Cool. Nick looked at the rack his mom had pulled her running set off of and saw she was justifiably excited to have found one in her size. The rack had been picked clean. There were only four sets left, two very large and two very small. Sizes no one could lie their way into. I should get some running clothes too, his dad said. What is it about these that makes them so special? Anything I should look for? His wife said, You know, I'm not really sure. I just know these are the best. I guess you could try to match the material. Suddenly, we were not looking at TVs and instead moving towards the men's clothing section. Hey, you guys want to go look at games? Nick asked the youngers. They nodded enthusiastically, and their mom gave them permission to go with a quick smile. They walked down the aisle and turned a corner towards the video games. The gaming section had gotten a lot smaller since Nick was a kid. Not because gaming had lost popularity, not by a long shot. The section was smaller because today's gamers have moved away from discs and cartridges, opting for digital downloads purchasable directly from a console or computer. Now retail spaces only need to carry a few copies of the very most popular games. The rest is mostly gift cards and accessories. Besides an extra set of controllers and a gift card to the eShop, Walmart didn't have anything for real systems that day. Usher and Kaya were irrationally upset by this. They demanded Nick explain why there wasn't anything for them to look at. They swore there had to be something from their precious virtual world there for them to enjoy. Nick was about to tell them, sorry, it's not my fault and there's plenty of other stuff to look at anyway, when Kaya shrieked. She pointed at something behind Nick, the way she once would have pointed to the ice cream truck or someone twisting balloon animals at the farmer's market. Nick faced the wall of TVs behind him and recognized a point-of-view display of someone playing a reel. It was just some pre-recorded ad for the system, but it transfixed his siblings. When Nick tried to say anything, one or both of them would aggressively silence him without removing their eyes from the bright colors on the screen. Nick was saying, Guys, Mom and Dad are going to wonder where we are, when a horrendously bright flash exploded from the TV. He squeezed his eyes shut, seeing pixelated patterns of pink and green and yellow with some black and white squares mixed in behind his eyelids. It was hard to convince himself to open his eyes again. Remember how changes could affect him? Well, bright flashing lights count as changes, and sudden surprises like that really made his skin crawl. He ducked behind a shelf and waited for his heart to calm down. When he finally rose above the shelf again, he saw Usher and Kaya were still glued to the screen. How are you guys still staring at that? Nick asked. Didn't that hurt? Usher looked at him like he was stupid. He often gave Nick such a look, but this time it felt pointed. He said, Did what hurt? It's not real. That's the whole point. I mean that flash, Nick said. Is that a part of the game or something? Kaya's mouth popped open as she realized what he was talking about. You mean the colors? She said, Yeah, those happen sometimes, but honestly, I'm so used to them, I don't even notice them anymore. That can't be good for your eyes. That happens in the headset? 
Yep, Usher confirmed. It's not a big deal. There, in the gaming section at Walmart, Nick reaffirmed his conviction not to open his real headset. He didn't care if it was a gift. He was going to sell it. Or maybe destroy it. Seeing the way his siblings were so magnetized by even a recording of someone playing made him feel guilty about selling it to some other victim. They went through the standard checkout. Their dad didn't want to take the TV through self-check since he thought someone would stop them to check their receipt anyway. Standing in line, Nick couldn't help himself. Completely against his normal nature, he snatched a king-size candy bar. His mom raised an eyebrow at him, and he told her he would pay her back. Looking back on that moment, he wouldn't even be able to remember what kind of candy bar it was. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Nick got a text from Kim a few days later that said, I convinced Reed to see a movie, Aquaman 2, but good enough. Get to the mall ASAP. Alone in his room, Nick beamed. He hadn't seen Reed since before she got her reel for Christmas. It was finally time to get everyone back together. Nick passed his siblings in their room, both sitting on their beds with their heads tipped back, buffering their reel goggles against gravity. At least, Nick thought, they were physically together, even if their minds were in separate realities. Nick's mom was downstairs looking through the rewards shop connected to her pulse light. She told him she had racked up enough points for a 20% discount at Dick's Sporting Goods. He congratulated her and told her about the movie. He had to repeat the plan moments later when his dad came inside from tuning up his bike. Nick supposed his parents' obsession with their pulse scores wasn't entirely negative. He met Jared and Kaya inside the mall entrance. No one had to say it out loud. They were all scared Reed would ghost them. The movie was set to start in five minutes, and Kim said, Maybe she thought we were going to a virtual theater. Neither Nick nor Jared laughed, because it didn't feel far enough from the truth to be a joke. But Reed did show up. She texted that she was parking two minutes before showtime. They hurried into the movie as soon as she arrived inside. Luckily, no one wanted concessions. Well, that was partially true. Jared snuck in a big package of cherry Twizzlers between his hoodie and t-shirt, which they all enjoyed as soon as Aquaman 2 began. Almost an hour in, Nick realized how normal things suddenly felt. All of his friends were there, eating smuggled candy. Besides Jared's pulse light, which he obviously didn't pay much attention to based on his candy consumption, there was no sign of the consumer product invasion which had taken over Nick's home and much of the community, it seemed. It was just him, his friends, and a good, old-fashioned superhero movie, the way it had been all through middle and high school. Then came the Flash. 
Just like at Walmart, it burst from the screen without warning. Nick covered his eyes with his hands, but it was too late. The pixelated neon pattern embedded itself behind his eyelids. He felt Kaya's hand on his shoulder, heard her asking what was wrong, and asked if she was joking. When he could finally open his eyes, Nick saw all of his friend's eyes shining back at him with concern. You guys didn't notice that crazy glitch? he asked. They all shook their heads in unison. Nick had to wonder if he was going crazy. He'd been the only one to react at Walmart, and now here he was, alone again in noticing the brutal flashing. Abruptly, he remembered why his family had gone to Walmart in the first place. They had needed a new TV. Why? Because his dad had complained about the old one being glitchy. Nick had to wonder if there was a connection. Oh, he felt the pieces coming together, but a gnawing hunger started barking at the door of his mind. He smelled another moviegoer's popcorn, and his mouth began to water. Nick hadn't bought an overpriced movie theater popcorn bucket in years, but suddenly, the buttery snack sounded sensational. Necessary, even. Reed stood, then Jared. Kim asked if they were going to get popcorn, and Jared said, Yeah, be right back. I'll come with, Nick whispered. Me too, whispered Kim. Then, as if teleported, they were standing in line at the concession stand. Others from their theater were there too. So you guys really didn't notice that crazy flash, Nick asked now that they could speak at conversational volume. When? Kim asked. During the movie when you all looked at me like I was crazy. Oh, you mean when you covered your eyes? I thought you were trying to be funny, Jared said. No, there was a big flash of color and light. Nick told them. You really didn't notice. Reed said, Nope. Nick lost his appetite again. He still bought a popcorn because somehow it felt like it could fix everything, like just having it in his hands could make the world right. But it didn't. After his seven dollars were spent, he was left with an unappetizing bucket of stale popcorn that he didn't really want to eat. He used it to refill his friends' buckets as they ran low. The three of them finished all four buckets before the credits rolled. Nick had hoped to spend more time at the mall, but everyone else had other things to do. Or, at least, they claimed they did. Jared suspiciously glanced at the device on his wrist, and Nick wondered if he was secretly calculating how long he would have to run to burn off the bucket and a half of popcorn he had just eaten. Reed didn't give any obvious signals, but Nick just had a feeling her pressing matter at home involved a bulky headset. Kim asked Nick for a ride home. She had taken the bus to get to the mall, and the next one wouldn't come for almost 25 minutes. Nick happily agreed. Kim seemed to be the last of his friends grounded in the same reality as himself. He wondered how long that would last. The question he should have asked was whether his reality would remain grounded, or if it still was. Kim looked through the CDs Nick had in his glove box, scoffing at each one. Do you listen to anything but alternative sellouts? Ouch, Nick replied, laughing at the absurd accuracy of Kim's description. He said, Grab the USB if you don't like what I got. Kim eagerly reached for the grubby, limp cable hanging out of the car's stereo. She jammed it into her phone and started scrolling. Oh, here's a good one. She put on a mellow synthwave song that put both of them in a bit of a trance. Nick felt his brain relax the same way it did when he fell onto the couch after a long day at school. It started to wander, to process, 
to sift through the day and draw little connections to this thing and that. To the flash at the theater, to the flash at Walmart, to the theater flash and his sudden craving for popcorn, then back to Walmart. Something had happened during that Walmart trip. Something different. Nick knew it wasn't something major, otherwise he would recall it easily. But he felt like there was something. Something he knew was strange, even while it was happening. The candy bar. Nick had grabbed a king-size candy bar near the register, even though he didn't even care that much for candy. Just like he didn't enjoy movie theater popcorn enough to justify the price. Nick was not an impulse buyer by any stretch, and yet he had made two random junk food purchases in the span of days. And he made both purchases after a weird flash. This is the best part, Kim said, turning the song up. Nick felt her eyes on him, wondering why he wasn't reacting to the music. It was because he was making more connections. The gifts, the weird Christmas gifts. Could his parents have also been manipulated somehow? Then Nick realized the glitches on the TV. The ones his dad had complained about but didn't care enough about to do anything. What if those hadn't been glitches at all? What if they were the same, seemingly random flashes Nick had seen? Nick, hello? Kim again. Nick turned down the stereo. I think everyone's being controlled, he said. I think they've figured out how to flash signals to us, like like a QR code or something. Is that what you were thinking about instead of listening to the song? Kim asked, indignant. No, Kim, listen, I'm serious. Nick briefly explained everything, including as much detail about the flashes as possible. Kim started out looking at him like he was insane, but a dawning look of realization came over her toward the end. Her song thumped in the background. Do you think it's possible? She asked. Like, could they actually manipulate us like that? I don't know, but don't look at your phone until we can tell someone. Who should we go to? Nick asked. She looked at him like he was insane again and demanded, How would I know? These days people just expose that kind of thing on TikTok. Yeah, that's not an option here, Nick said. He had no doubt their message would be suppressed, if not outright removed. He didn't think it was too much of a stretch to say trying to spread awareness about the potential advertising attacks could also put a target on their backs. Kim's song was starting to fade. Nick said, I really think we should tell the police. Then there'll be a report... A crisp, clear commercial narrator interrupted him after Kim's song ended. She had the cheapest tier on her music provider, which came with ads. Nick tried to continue. There'll be an official report that maybe someone can... A chirping tone, almost painfully high, blistered his ears before he could finish. He winced. The tone lasted no more than a second, but it succeeded in silencing the conversation. The car rolled on. So, uh, my bad, but where did you want me to take you? Nick asked Kim. Honestly, I should probably get home, but I'm really craving McDonald's, Kim replied. Nick nodded with subtle confidence and said, It's funny, I was kind of feeling the same. Hit the drive through Yes, and step on it. I'm starving. Nick smiled and stomped the gas. As the momentum pushed their bodies back into their seats, he reached his hand forward to grab the volume knob and turn it up until he could feel the bass filling his growling stomach. 
you made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. If you want more creepy content, follow me on Instagram at The Warning Woods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into The Warning Woods. Thank you for listening. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.